Thanks for joining us today. Our uh, webinar today is entitled Getting Ahead in Total Worker Health. We have with us three presenters today, which is a nice treat. Uh, Dr. Heidi Gullett, I believe I'm uh, pronouncing correctly, Jill, Jill Radabaugh, and Philip Duvall. So uh, without further ado, we'll let them get right into it, give them the full time, and I'll, I'll ask them to introduce themselves a little further as they get started. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so I'm Jill Rodeball, and we are here to talk about getting ahead and total worker health. Um, and we're going to introduce ourselves here in a second, but uh, maybe it might be a good way to kind of get us warmed up by doing right off the bat our, our three questions. Well, okay, good. So looks like the uh, the first one most people are familiar with getting ahead, which is great. And then second question, have you ever heard of Total Worker Health? Oh, we've got, we've got some people that have heard of Total Worker Health. I'm surprised. That's great because this is pretty much a getting ahead crowd. But that's excellent. So we've got at least a few people. And now before we answer the third question, I want you to think about this. Um, so don't just think about people that have like had to quit their job, but think about people like, like my father, for example, who, um, you know, is hard of hearing in his old age because he worked in a factory all his life without hearing protection or, you know, think about people that have had their quality of life diminished, um, you know, just through standing on concrete for a long time. And again, my father has a, you know, we call it a chicken leg or whatever. So um, there you go. So every everybody knows somebody that has had their quality of life or health or ability to work um, affected by the workplace injury. Okay, so that you know that's the heart of why we're here today. And even though this title is long, developing a total worker health approach uh, to workplace and. Uh, by integrating, getting ahead, it's like so long I don't even want to say it, curriculum into health protection and occupational safety programs. It really just comes down to trying to help um, low-wage workers and and workers facing uh, job insecurity and instability um, by trying a, a new approach with getting ahead and, and total worker health. And so our team is funded by the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation, and they've provided a grant, and that was awarded to Case Western. And again, I'm Jill Rodeball, and I'm part of the commercial partner, Beacon Voice. And, and Beacon Voice is, they're all computer geeks, including myself, except for Phil. And in addition, though, to being computer geeks, um, that have you know worked on the the mobile app technology supporting getting ahead grads. We have also been consulting for NIOSH, the National Institute of the Occupational Safety and Health, which is part of the CDC. And as we have been doing that for such a long time, um, that data jumps out at us and it tells the story of people who have been injured um, or have suffered from poor working conditions. So with that, Phil. Uh, I'll let you introduce yourself, even though you probably need no introduction. Well, thanks, Jill, and uh, thank you all for joining us uh, today. Uh, when Jill talks about herself, 
as being a geek or something, I have to tell you that I don't think of her or Bill or Sam or anyone else on the Beacon Voice team as being nerds or geeks or something. I uh, They really know how to uh, use data and analytics and, and uh, man, they've got some great solutions and, and huge connections. Uh, so, you know, we're really working with people that are extremely competent at what they do and uh, and very happily, uh, they really like bridges and uh, getting ahead concepts. And uh, Jill came to me some time ago when she was picking up another one of her many degrees, uh, asking if, you know, what about uh, getting ahead with people who are uh, who had diabetes? And that took us on a long kind of swing through trying to get uh, a pilot funded for that. Those things didn't turn out, but we uh, ran into Heidi uh, Gullett, Dr. Heidi Gullett, and she's another person who's passionate about bridges and getting ahead. And she's a certified bridges trainer and a getting ahead facilitator. And when we got uh, her group uh, at Case Western, which includes uh, Dr. Karen Malloy, uh, I have to tell you, it is a real honor to be working with people with uh, these kind of capabilities and this kind of passion. So I'll turn it over to Heidi to introduce herself and, and we can go on. Thank you so much, Phil and Jill. Um, we also really appreciate the opportunity to share this on a webinar because one of the things I've enjoyed most about being part of the AHA community is networking with people who I otherwise wouldn't run into who are doing really innovative and amazing things in this space. So I'm really uh, excited to continue those conversations and hope that um, you'll have questions we can answer today and uh, continue the conversation even after the webinar. Uh, I'm a family and public health physician by training. And a number of years ago, when I was a resident, I've worked almost my whole career in community health centers. I had just been struggling with trying to figure out how to better meet my patients where they were at, you know, patients almost uniformly living in generational poverty. And I didn't have a good sense for really how to best work with folks on improving their health, because so much of what they addressed in the visit or wanted to talk about were social determinants of health, things around poverty and around uh, environmental issues and um, housing and economic instability personally and in the community they live in. And so I thought, I have not ever been trained to address these issues. I don't know how to do better. And so I got on the computer and started learning about bridges and um, started getting my hands on everything I could possibly read. And that, for me, was the very beginning. And then I, I ultimately was able to meet Phil at a training and I had for a long time thought about getting ahead with patients because so many patients uh, come to the office and don't have a hopeful future story. And they also oftentimes work in jobs that don't really provide them with the stability that they need economically um, or really some of the other things in their lives as well. So I'd had this in the back of my mind for a long time, and it took us a few years uh, to get uh, enough funding to get this off the ground. But that's sort of the story about why this really matters to me. And um, I can continue to give people all the medicine in the world, but if I don't work alongside them to develop a hopeful future story, it's really not going to help them achieve better health. So that's kind of the process by which we got here and assembled this team. And then uh, Karen came from Denver a few years ago and is passionate about um, occupational health and safety and how we um, better bring uh, the social determinants of health into that conversation. So um, that's our story thus far. So 
I wanted to introduce the concept of health equity in this webinar because I think this is a really important topic, um, and I think discussing poverty and discussing uh, issues like structural racism, those those things tend to lead to inequities and disparities that don't allow for people to have equal opportunity for their full potential at health. And so health equity is really all of us coming together to understand how we best change processes, systems, policies, programs to give everyone the fair opportunity to have their fullest potential at health. And so I like to use this baseball analogy picture um, because I think it really shows you we can give everyone equal things. We can give each of these children a box that's the same, but we can't all help them all to see the baseball game unless we reorganize how we think about it. And if we're really in this to remove disparity and inequity and think about how we can all achieve our best health, we've got to think differently, innovatively, creatively. So uh, we really are doing all of this through the lens of health equity. And many of you are probably familiar with this concept in your own spheres, but I think it's important to bring this into community health work because doctors don't typically think this way. And we've got to sort of get people thinking differently around health. So, sorry. So, yeah, the overview of what we're going to talk about today, um, we're going to talk about what's the problem that we're trying to solve, what's been tried, what's new here, and how this will work. So, um, you know, the, we'll drill down to all of these, but the problem of, of well-being and safety and instability for low-wage healthcare workers, but really, you know, you can apply this to any kind of industry. And there's also this issue of employer versus employee, kind of retention issues. What's been tried, we're going to touch on the separate uh, occupational health and safety uh, versus, you know, protection wellness programs and inadequate employee engagement. There's also, uh, we're going to talk about what's new here. So we're bringing these innovations, we're innovating around total worker health and getting ahead and making sure that everyone's at the table. And then Heidi will talk about how this will work with the study that they're doing at Case Western to improve employer-employee engagement. So a little background on, on you know, the issue of low-wage healthcare workers. You can see that uh, the average salary for a nursing assistant, an orderly, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, BLS, is only around $24,000. Um, and that's not far from the U.S. Census definition of uh, poverty. And, you know, it's certainly in the news that uh, healthcare workers, you know, are having issues with that. You can see the article there, I'm planning to strike. Um, this um, was really interesting to me. I attend uh, conferences on uh, healthcare workers and safety. And, and at these national conferences, I often hear uh, doctors and RNs uh, you know, registered nurses talk about um, the injuries that they're facing. So it wasn't clear to me exactly who was getting, which healthcare workers were getting injured at work. And this uh, study done by NIOSH, um, which is part of the CDC, shows that um, by far and away, it's those low-wage workers, those nursing assistants that are getting injured on the job the most. Um, so you can see that they're the top bar on patient handling and movement, which is the most significant, really, there. Um, 
And it's, you know, in the news that uh, health, the healthcare industry is actually one of the most, um, you don't think of it as like the most dangerous occupation, but it, it certainly is uh, contributing to a lot of injuries in the healthcare system. And then uh, also from the CDC study, again, we see that it's the nursing assistants, those low-wage workers that are suffering the most workplace violence injuries. So by far and away, you know, they are facing those challenges and workplace violence is on the rise. So what's been tried? We have, uh, there are wellness programs and there are wellness program incentives and, you know, uh, studies have been showing that participation in wellness programs does seem to help a little bit, but the average annual difference um, is, uh, you know, what they're saving is only $157, and that's not really even uh, statistically significant. And then when you think about wellness program incentives, um, there's, you know, are they even a bad thing? Uh, This study talks about um, how the evidence suggests savings to employers may come from cost shifting with the most vulnerable employees, those, you know, that can least afford it, uh, bearing the greater costs and subsidizing their colleagues. So, you know, what is happening in the workplace is often that you have uh, health promotion people who are, you know, offering the wellness programs, thinking about wellness and well-being, and they're not necessarily the same people within a company or organization that are talking about safety, which is health protection. So those are typically two separate programs and departments in a, in a company or a hospital. And then you also have this, um, you know, silo dichotomy of wellness activities versus employee preference. So there was a a very important uh, study by Rand, and I thought this was kind of an interesting quote from it, that the leader's perceptions of effective wellness interventions are misaligned with employees' needs, which created divisiveness among employees. So, I mean, kind of intuitively, you can imagine that, you know, some employees, especially um, low-wage workers, aren't particularly thrilled that their company may have spent many, many dollars on a, you know, fitness room when they don't feel safe when trying to get to work. You know, it's like, well, why don't you use that money on something like a guard for the parking lot as opposed to, you know, a fitness um, room or whatever. So whatever this, you know, situation might be, those, there's kind of a, uh, at odds kind of scenario there. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, getting ahead in the workplace, which is uh, Phil's new book. And we're going to talk about total worker health and define those concepts. Let's see. Yeah. Phil, do you want to take it for a while? So um, getting ahead in the workplace is uh, something that's new. It just came out in 15. And it's a workbook that's essentially being tested a few places in the country. In this study, that 
we're going to be doing with Case Western is going to be another test of this. Uh, so it, we had to put together uh, a supplement to go with this. Now, those of you on this call, most of you know getting ahead already, so you know that it's meant to be agenda-free, and it's not teaching that takes place, but uh, learning through a facilitated process and lots of discussions. So we didn't want to uh, tamper with what works as a methodology for getting ahead, but we wanted to expand the uh, investigations. So this went to 20 sessions uh, instead of 15 or 16. And it was fun working with uh, Karen and Heidi and, and Jill uh, at, at developing this supplement so that we could, through discussions in some cases and activities in others, we could get uh, the investigators to look into the impact of uh, of their instability in the workplace and at home and uh, their resources at the workplace and at, and at home. And uh, so that that was uh, fun to do. And so we um, examined uh, in, in the early, uh, one of the early things in the supplement is to not just examine the community you live in, which happens right away and getting ahead, but we also uh, examined the workplace itself. So you can imagine uh, the employees in this healthcare setting uh, sitting around talking about what that workplace is like and drawing mental models about it. Uh, they also uh, took a deeper look at analyzing uh, wages, uh, kind of the difference between a W-2 and a 1099, uh, sort of working at the rules of money in a slightly different way than we do in getting ahead. Uh, talking about workers' comp as well. Uh, the stages of change uh, piece was changed to uh, be specific for people in healthcare settings. We uh, examined what it's like to work in a in a gig company when talking about predators. So it was kind of fun to uh, reach out to uh, you know what life is really like in in healthcare settings for people. The uh, there's a workplace uh, safety history activity. Uh, there's a preparing to be on the design team. The idea with this is that once people go through getting ahead, uh, it's not an agenda, but it's an opening. It, it's another possibility for them to join the design teams at, at their workplace and, uh, and to investigate total worker health itself. So those become more learning that takes place during the, the piece. So in the end, they create a mental model of the ideal workplace. So those of you that are familiar with getting ahead, those things will kind of resonate, uh, re resonate with you. You go like, yeah, that's consistent. So I, I think uh, this is going to be done in a number of settings. I think uh, Heidi can talk more about that. But I'm really looking forward to this because of the design of the study. And and uh, and testing, uh, getting ahead in the workplace as we go. Yeah, thanks, Phil. That that's great. Um, and and I'm very uh, appreciative of the comments too. I see people saying that you know the anecdotal experience clearly shows that workers are becoming patients. And yeah, it's definitely definitely something that's happening. Um, so we've been talking about total worker health, but we qu haven't quite yet defined it. Um, total worker health is a registered trademark of the CDC NIOSH, again, you know, Center for Disease Control, National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health. Um, and they define it as a set of policies and programs and practices that integrate 
both protection, which is safety, and promotion, which people refer to as wellness still. So concern about advanced worker well-being. Um, so we have a video that uh, gets started for us here in a second. But right before you do, let me just kind of make this comment. As you're like listening to this uh, video that NIOSH put out that uh, kind of defines total worker health, um, listen to what they have to say about you know, it being about the individuals, more than just individual behaviors. Um, it's also about your workplace and it's about the community you live in. So again, it's, uh, it really isn't about an agenda as much as it is, um, about, you know, the innovations of, of looking at this in this much the similar way as, as getting ahead does with the triple lens. It's all one big piece of piece and not just um, work is work and, and home is home. It all kind of interrelates and kind of all of this uh, total employee, I guess, a little bit. And we get them here at work, whether they're, um, whether they're healthy or whether they're you know, feeling good or not. Sometimes people don't come to work because they're sick, and then sometimes they come to work and they are sick, and that's even worse because they're not getting better and they're just less productive. And I don't want to have the health problems. I quit smoking. That was a major, major issue that helped help me and uh, it's just I want to see my kids grow up I want to be healthy I want to you know I want to go out and do things with them and if I'm laid up on the couch because I'm hurt or I have an illness you know I can't do that. I really view total worker health as a set of uh, or a strategy of management strategy or a set of organizational policies that, that consider the health of its workers both on the job and off the job so looking at occupational risk factors for injury and illness and also non-occupational risk factors for injury and illness and how companies can uh, do surveillance on metrics uh, targeting those aspects or um, how they can encourage people to, to adopt healthier behaviors. Total worker health is integration of the traditional occupational safety and health protection that we've been doing for years since the Occupational Safety and Health Act was passed in 1970, protecting people at work through decreasing or eliminating their exposures to physical, chemical, biological agents through standards, regulations, practices, programs. Health is impacted by more than what happens at the workplace. It's imp impacted by what happens at home, it's impacted by what happens in the community, and so addressing just one and not the other doesn't look at the, per the, the person, the entire worker. A strong wellness program helps ensure the safety of our employees, the wellness and the holistic, um, both on the job and off the job, which makes them better community residents too. So that gives back to our residents that we're serving. We didn't have a safety program or anything in the previous place that I was working, you know. And you just, you know, you never really thought about it, you know. Now that, that it's, you know, you know that this is this is what's expected here, and, and it does make you start thinking of things, you know, at, at home. If you have a healthier workforce, you're going to have a safer workforce, and a safer workforce is going to be a healthier workforce. The terms total worker health have really uh, become synonymous with uh, an important NIOSH program to better advance the overall health and well-being of workers. Um, NIOSH is dedicated at its very core to keeping workers safe.
and that's an important cornerstone or foundation of the Total Worker Health Program. We think the best organizations start there, keep their workers safe, and then invest in the health and well-being of their workers throughout the day so that they can go home at the end of the day with, with more health than when they arrive that morning. Okay, so um, yeah, I think that video is kind of a, a good introduction to, to Total Worker Health and um, you know, we can see that it has a lot in common with, with getting ahead. And, and one thing, though, that I think is really a great innovation about how we're innovating around getting ahead and Total Worker Health bringing it together is that Total Worker Health um, really promotes this idea of uh, having a design team and a steering committee where you have, you know, management and frontline employees engaging with each other. And that makes perfect sense. And that uh, you know, certainly a good thing to do. But when you're talking about um, sometimes low-wage workers and instability, uh, you know, workers facing instability, it it might be difficult for management and those frontline workers to begin a conversation. And if they've been prepared uh, by going through the Getting Ahead workshop to talk about things like um, class and language and you know all the important concepts that that you go over in getting ahead. Um, you know those frontline workers are going to be much more confident when they're engaging uh, on a, a team that's looking at safety and, and well-being. And then by the same token, you're going to have um, you know if if your management team is prepared with bridges, they're going to be able to listen and hear. Uh, what the frontline workers are saying in a, in a much better way. So, so those are you know that's the one innovation. And then the other innovation that we're going to have a couple slides on too is the fact that we're introducing mobile app technology for workers to have to continue engaging uh, with their employers. So, and I kind of touched on this, but you know, we maybe I need to punt to Heidi or, or Phil on this one, but. Uh, you know, if you want to talk a little bit about um, this. So this is Heidi. Um, I I think one of the Heidi, important think things for me early on in my um, work with Bridges was just helping me to understand all of the elements of um, what we go through in, in Bridges, just the framework and understanding language and uh, hidden rules and things like that. And so what we recognize in putting this this uh, pilot together was that <clears throat> people who are living in the middle class or people who are living in wealth in organizations where people are employed across the economic spectrum really also need that introduction, need to understand bridges, need to have a bridges training. Um, so our goal is that we're, you know, we're educating folks with regard to bridges um, and then at the same time once getting ahead is completed then there's really that coming together with a common language and, and hopefully a, a common middle ground where folks can feel empowered to sort of speak up through the investigations they've learned through getting ahead and uh, create a, a culture in the organization where it allows for equity to be achieved and where people can feel very valued and can be fully present at work when you're able to sort of address them as whole people. Um, so that those are the sort of two elements, two levels to um, the theory behind why we've designed it this way. So there are some specific aims um, in this 
pilot, and it's a pretty short pilot. It's a two-year project, and so in about 15 months from now, we hope that maybe we can do another webinar and bring you um, both our qualitative and quantitative results, and ideally this would feed into much larger studies that really um, continue to contribute to the evidence around why bridges and getting ahead and other elements of this work are really useful in moving the needle on poverty, some really, really tough uh, community issues. So our first aim is really implementing getting ahead. So we're looking at, um, ideally it will be five organizations and two cohorts of employees in each organization, and we would compare them to each other. So we would stagger within the organization, stagger the time in which they do getting ahead. So we would have baseline and then we would have following getting ahead. And the second would be to evaluate the effect on engagement in the workplace and then also on workplace retention. We know that uh, workplace retention in low-wage employees, particularly in healthcare settings, can be a real issue. And in talking with a number of different uh, healthcare administrators locally and uh, elsewhere, there's a huge um, investment in training people. And then when you lose them, it becomes a very difficult thing to have stability in that particular work unit. And ultimately, we want to sort of give people a chance for upward mobility that maybe they come in an entry-level job, but when they begin to realize they're cared for and this is a supportive environment, perhaps then there's an opportunity to begin to get a future story that materializes into you know, many other opportunities for career development. We are using the CPH new Healthy Workplace All Employees Survey, and that's the um, Total Worker Health Center in um, at um, UMass Lowell, and they've been really wonderful at supporting us and, and having a collaboration because they haven't typically um, done much in the realm of working with low-wage employees, but are very interested in that. And so they have a public domain of this survey, but we've talked to them, you know, just specifically saying, hey, we'd love to partner with you in using this tool. And so there are a lot of domains in that tool, and when we have the results, we'll break them all down and show kind of what, what moved and where. But ideally, we're having those multiple points in time and, and testing in this total worker um, health survey. The next is employee solutions. Um, so really understanding a little bit more about um, valuing your employees as problem solvers, and that's where it becomes critically important that people in middle management and above have UpBridges training so they have a common understanding of one another and language to, to work with. And then finally, evaluating management receptivity to this. So um, you'll see in just a moment a few um, elements that uh, the Beacon Voice team has designed so that there's uh, a lot more feedback between the employer and the employee so that it's not, you know, getting ahead and finishing this total worker health study is not just a point in time, that this is the beginning of a long-term uh, partnership in employment. The study design I described a few minutes ago in comparison the, comparing the cohorts to one another um, is just the design that's described here. And we will likely run cohorts in different organizations at the same time, but we'd like to stagger the cohorts in the same organizations um, after one another so we have um, other comparisons. And uh, we also really want to capture the qualitative elements of this. And I think those of you who, who are familiar with getting ahead, and it sounds like almost all of you are, they're just amazingly rich stories, and I can't ever go to one of the uh, national conferences without being completely inspired by the stories I hear from getting head graduates. So those are elements that we want to uh, capture, and um, this isn't all just about numbers. This is about people, and this is about people's lives um, you know, being changed and transformed. So we hope that we'll be able to also give you those elements as well. All right. Yeah, thanks, Heidi. And it I just want to say that it is great working with Heidi. She is 
so wonderful and so passionate, um, such an expert in, in, um, what she does. So, uh, the, um, app that we have, we've developed several apps. So the Beacon, Beacon Voice team has developed uh, two mobile apps and they are available today on the iPhone App Store and Google Play if you have Android. Um, and the first one was the Stability app. So it uh, goes along with the Getting Ahead Stability Scale. Um, and it, it's, uh, you know, something that Getting Ahead grads can use to kind of make their journey more fun and track uh, how they're doing on their stability scale and associate that with specific events. Uh, we also have the uh, Getting Ahead resource app, and that too goes along with Getting Ahead's resources, um, those concepts and, and that module. And you can track your resources, you can uh, organize your, I really like this one, uh, on, in that it, you can organize your contacts and, and different things, uh, pictures and whatever, by category. So by GA resource category. So that's a nice uh, nice couple tools there that uh, if you run Getting Ahead uh, workshops, um, that would be you know something that you could encourage your uh, team, your Getting Ahead students to, to go ahead and um, download now. Um, okay, so the the app that we're really that I'm certainly most excited about uh, that should be published here within the next month or two to the public. But right now we're beta testing it, and um, we're actually going to beta test it with uh, getting ahead while getting out group before we um, use it for our uh, low wage. Uh, healthcare worker study with uh, with Case, um, but this is a survey app, and we call it My Voice Survey App, and and it was designed to do what is known as pulse surveys, which is the concept that you know nobody likes, uh, especially people that are in the tyranny of the moment, wants to take some huge long survey. Um, so a pulse survey is just you know I would say between one to five questions, and you just get them on your mobile phone and you answer them real quickly and um, then you can get feedback on on that and people can act on that in a much faster and timely way. Um, so, so the uh, survey app criteria, the criteria of, uh, that we would have, um, you know, for, for running a, a survey would be that it certainly can't compromise the identity of the app user. So we have designed our app in such a way that uh, you don't need to give them an email. Uh, you know, a, a GA grad doesn't have to necessarily identify themselves. Um, they can stay completely anonymous when they take these surveys. And, you know, the surveys are certainly going to be consistent with getting ahead. Um, the Beacon Voice team is going to ensure that. And we seek to encourage... Uh, engagement. So that is the purpose. So this is what the GA grads uh, and investigators will see when they take the survey. Anyone taking the survey, they'll uh, have a notification that a survey is ready to be taken and they can opt in or out, you know, count me in or, or no. Um, then they'll, you know, take the survey, and then shortly after, and the organization can determine how long they want 
to wait and you know keep the survey open, but it can be just a day or a week or whatever. Um, then the, when the survey closes, when that time window closes, uh, then the GA grad can go and say, hey, you know, what did other people think? And let me see what the results were. And um, so, you know, it can be uh, very engaging to kind of find out if you're a, a getting ahead investigator. Am I answering the same way that maybe my uh, fellow investigators are answering these questions? And maybe we can get together and advocate for something that we all agree upon. So this becomes a great tool for uh, people who are running organizations that are trying to, um, you know, work with either their workers or really it isn't just about the workplace, but certainly if you're an organization that serves getting ahead uh, investigators, you could use this app as well. And it, it becomes a, a much tighter um, circle of, uh, action here where the organization can create the survey. They can then go to the website, uh, their manager portal. Um, so they go to that portal to create the survey. They can review the results and then they can continue uh, engagement based on the results that they saw. And so, and so here we are. Um, I, that gives us a little time for questions and uh, any kind of feedback in general. I was, uh, definitely excited to see that, you know, we have people who are interested in, in this. I see uh, Annette and, and Daniel talking about how their communities are definitely interested in, in the workplace. Thanks, Jill. I'm reading through these two comments here, and I will go through these. I know you mentioned that uh, the video, the workplace video shown just available for use in a presentation. So we answered yes to that, correct? I mean, it is on YouTube, so I'm imagining that if they'd like to, they could go and pull that down and use. Yeah, that's actually, there's a whole series. I mean, there might be like a dozen videos um, on, it's the Iowa uh, Total Worker Health. There are, that video as well as many others are available uh, online. And then I was just going to answer the question about the I book. So the well. getting ahead in the workplace. Um, I know Phil, feel free to jump in, but I have a sitting here right here. I was excited to get, I think one of the first shipments. Yeah. Just add that to the, all the many boxes sitting on your floor of all the other <laughs> books you have too. Right. I, uh, you know, to answer your question, uh, the, the book will be there um, at this point. You know, the trainings that we do for it are would be very similar to getting ahead. But in the future, we're going to actually require that people become certified to do this, just the way we are asking that people who work with the reentry book, getting ahead while getting out, are certified too. And our rationale for that is in both the case of uh, the workplace and of returning citizens, it's really vital that there be ongoing support for uh, for the getting ahead graduates. And that means uh, creating a model for it's not it's not highly prescriptive, but there's a model to follow to make sure that we don't drop the ball. And uh, so the time will come when we're when we actually do trainings for uh, getting ahead in the workplace that 
that uh, people will go through and then they would be certified and they would sign a statement saying that they will uh, adhere to the idea that they will put together a, a complete model in their community. And uh, so, but for right now, uh, where we're testing this in a few places, you know, I'm the one that does the trainings and, and, uh, and we're not, we're not certifying people at this very moment, but we are headed in that direction. And there's a book that will be coming out soon that Ruth Weirich has, is in the middle of or almost finished called Workplace Stability. And it's a companion uh, to getting ahead in the workplace. So the two of them together are sort of foundational pieces. And then there's so much more that can be done in the workplace. So very much more that those things would be uh, named in, in the model. So Tom, I hope that gets to your, your question. This is Heidi. I was just going to answer a few of the other questions I see here. So uh, what size employer are you targeting? So we have um, numerous large health systems here in Cleveland and have had conversations with um, multiple of them. And I think for this particular study, um, the recruitment is we're, we're aiming at larger organizations, hospital systems that have a spectrum of um, different kinds of hospital or different kind of healthcare jobs and that also employ people across the economic spectrum. Uh, that's sort of how we felt like this would be um, the most useful as a pilot. There are other smaller hospital systems that have um, done other things with getting ahead, and I know those have been presented at other um, webinars and presentations, but that's what we're doing for this particular um, study. And then as far as the funding, so we were kind of, um, we'll, we've been kind of creative. So Phil and I have put in a couple grants around using getting ahead with uh, patients, primary care patients, with um, we've applied three times to the American Cancer Society and we're waiting to hear on our, our, our recent one. Um, and a lot of that is around uh, the lack of a future story sort of helps people move away from prevention. And so that's sort of the, the angle that we took with those applications. For this particular application, it was Jill's brilliant idea to respond to the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation Research Program. And so they are the ones funding us on this work. Um, but we are trying to be really creative with different funding sources. And um, there are a lot of local foundations in many communities, including ours, that seem very interested in moving the needle on poverty and doing it in um, pragmatic ways. And so those are some other um, resource avenues that we've, we've gone down. But there are a lot of different funding sources and, you know, partnering across lots of different stakeholders from different backgrounds has helped us open up the doors for different grant opportunities here locally also with another one of our partners who's in workforce development. She's sent me a bunch of RFPs for places I'd never would have run across um, as funding sources for this kind of uh, innovative work. Let me add to that. Uh, Tom's question, you know, you know, funding and so on, and we're going to have to be collecting evidence that this works. And so um, if you aren't already using either Empower or Charity Tracker, uh, with getting ahead, I think it's going to be really important that all of our sites do that. The cost of that is so reasonable that we will be able to collect uh, national data to go along with uh, local sites getting reports on their own uh, work with getting ahead. Uh, but one study has been done, and that was done by Beth Waller from Indiana University. Uh, when it comes to going to foundations and United Ways and, and um, uh, big philanthropists, you know, they're going to want to see the evidence that it's working. 
And that's uh, a step in that direction. And the study that we're doing here with Case Western will be another step. And uh, we expect uh, good reports to come out of a group in Toledo and, and eventually from Tucson. So we're uh, getting much, much uh, more involved in doing serious uh, studies. And and there are definitely funds available from uh, you know NIOSH and CDC and uh, and even OSHA if you really want to uh, focus on a workplace uh, application of getting ahead. So anybody interested in that, especially, I'd be interested in, in talking with. And anybody interested in um, using our mobile app technology as part of their uh, their you know innovations that they would like to try. Uh, feel free to contact us. To the question around seeking local government financial support and then also community foundations. Um, I, I do a lot of community health work and um, we're really trying to move the needle on some upstream issues, including structural racism. And so in the last few months, I've had a lot of conversations with local in, in, uh, foundations and different funding sources. And Having a conversation about uh, big issues like this that are upstream in sort of public health lingo um, is hard. And I think when you can break it down to understanding how uh, a program like this can um, lead to both qualitative and quantitative improvements in people's stability, um, and then ultimately individual economic stability and, and then hopefully area level economic stability, and you begin to start making headway with a big issue like poverty or like structural racism, you begin to see things change, but it's a very long-term process. And so kind of beginning to have relationships with those development officers and helping them understand kind of how we're thinking and how we're building an evidence basis for this. And the reason I want to address this is because it also gets at Danielle's question around an evidence-based programming. There's clearly evidence. Um, the study out of Indiana was uh, incredible. And so I think all of us are continuing to do pilots and then ultimately, hopefully, larger studies to build a strong evidence basis for why this works. But we don't have a lot of other really great solutions to poverty that are um, at our fingertips, particularly in, you know, in the healthcare sector. So for me, it's, it's absolutely worth a try to, to build the evidence around this um, and sort of having those conversations to help people understand how we're doing that really helps. As far as the government support, um, one thing I've sort of realized is that um, it's very hard to be agenda-free when you're trying to seek governmental funding for something. Um, so it's not that it's impossible, but I really want to maintain the integrity of this getting ahead. Uh, as much as possible, and so there always seem to be some other strings attached um, with, with sometimes with governmental money, and I guess that's true for other sources of funding too, but um, that's just my opinion. Um, I know it's being recorded and all that, but um, you know, maybe others have, have other thoughts, but I just wanted to kind of give you our approach here and what we've done, not just with getting ahead, but our other community health intervention. Well, thanks for covering the question about being evidence-based, so we're on that journey. Um, Tom, I go back to your question about using this with WIC and a parent visitation. Um, my thought would be, wouldn't getting ahead work for that, the regular getting ahead? It seems like that would to me, unless I'm missing something in your question. While Tom is typing, I'll just add one more thing um, around the use of um, Charity Checker and Power. I think the other important part of this study has been networking with others in our community who are, who are doing bridges and getting ahead in our rules. Um, because, as Phil mentioned, this is not where we just say, thank you so much for participating. It was great to meet you. Good luck with your life. 
this is we are with you in this long term and building that network of support and, and resource um, connection. So building that across our community is, you know, we're in the infancy of that here in Cuyahoga County, but that's our goal. And we've got a bunch of really committed people who want to mobilize and move forward with this. So I think that's the other element of this is this is a pilot and we don't have many people in it at this point. But our goal is that we would spread this kind of workplace and then other getting ahead programs um, as well. And that it would be a network across the county or community, you know, whatever, Northeast Ohio to really support these people. So having that connection with either Empower Charity Track with the other people doing this is really important for us. Yeah, those are great tools for, you know, organizations to coordinate with each other. Um, that is, you know, I'm not sure I made it real clear on, you know, the Beacon Voice mobile apps, but that's certainly not the same space that we're in. We're you know, just trying to develop tools that are basically mobile apps that directly support uh, getting ahead grads and that they're on the getting ahead grad phones and, and that they have a very, you know, personal um, engagement element to them. So it's, it's, you know, you can do that kind of engagement through the apps without uh, necessarily being tied to an agency. Uh, good point. So I just wanted to finish by saying, I, you know, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to talk about this. And as you can tell, we're early in this process. And so I'd love to have for further dialogue, as it seems like some of you have other colleagues who might be interested in this. Um, I think this is about bringing our community together to have really creative solutions to a complex problem. And um, so please don't hesitate to contact me. I'm pretty passionate about this and also about community health improvement. So I see there were a couple other um, comments about that. So. Um, that's what I do for the other part of my job besides seeing patients is the community health improvement work here in our county. So feel free to uh, email me about that, too, if, if you're interested in talking about that more. I think getting ahead and bridges are key elements to that um, for a long-term community health improvement plan. Thanks very much, Jill and Dr. Heidi and, uh, and Phil as well. Um, I think at that, with that we can bring it to a close. We'll uh, wish you a great rest of the week, great weekend, and we'll see you next time. Thanks again.